Hey everybody, Taylor Kramer here with another episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. Let's go. All right, thanks for tuning in. This is Taylor Kramer, host of the Cold Shower Podcast. Just like last episode, um, I wanna go over the bird legs campaign in which I'd mentioned uh, two of my friends who are wheelchair bound need funding for a new van. Now, when you're wheelchair bound and you're trying to get out um, to the store or wherever it may be for that day, um, you are totally 100% dependent on if your van is working. And for the past couple of years, they've been trying to make do with a van that just isn't really functioning at the level that they need, um, it's not reliable. And so since I last mentioned that um, in my other episode, we did see an uptick in donations, which is awesome, but there's still a long way to go. So I wanna continue to encourage you guys to donate to that. Um, I think if us as original listeners to this episode, I consider you guys original listeners because you're here for the first few. Um, If we can all participate in this um, fundraising event, then I think that it will um, attract other other listeners in the future to do the same, and we can really help those guys out. So I want to thank you in advance for your participation in that. Okay, well, let's get started with the episode. I am sitting across from my beautiful, stunning co-host, and I can say that without being creepy uh, because she is my wife. But besides being my wife, she is also a doctor of physical therapy. And so covering this topic of health and wellness, um, I'm certainly not an expert, but it's something that I'm highly interested in. And I guess as far as expertise goes, um, she could be considered one of those. And so I wanted to bring her on and get her opinion on some of these topics. And so um, my wife's name is Abby Kramer. And as mentioned, she's a doctor of physical therapy. So I'm going to let her kind of explain um, where she's at in her career and the type of population she works with. So go ahead and do that. Sure. Well, thank you for the lovely introduction. Again, my name is Abby, and I work as a physical therapist um, in a setting which you would typically call a nursing home, but technically it's called a a skilled nursing facility. And um, the population I treat is primarily um, the elderly. So typically people ages 60 and above. Um, And we treat both short-term and long-term patients. So um, long-term is people that are there to stay, Till the end of life because they need um, assistance with their daily activities each and every day. Um, and then the short term is typically people who have gone to the hospital due to an injury or an illness and um, just aren't quite ready to go home yet. Um, they need a little bit more care before they return to their prior living setting. So um, we treat those patients as well. Cool. Yeah. So I think um, for this topic of health and wellness, um, the area that you're coming from is something that I think is important because you get to see people um, in their later years and maybe how some of their decisions that they've made earlier in life are now affecting um, their everyday life um, as an older person. Mm -hmm. And so whether that would be um, physically or mentally, um, if there's some of those decisions and those things that we can touch on in this episode that we think um, if you make proper decisions earlier in life will lead to um, a better longevity, um, I guess is the way, is the way to put it. And so I kind of wanted to go over first our view on health and wellness. And like I mentioned, um, I'm not an expert by any means, but it is definitely something that I try to be aware of. Um, and I would say I'm pretty passionate about, um, 
physical activity and things like that have been a part of my life and my family's life um, since I was born basically and so wanted to go over some of that and then as I mentioned get Abby's input on how it would look um, later in life if we're making these proper decisions or if we're not and so first I guess I'll share how I feel about sleep um, and you can kind of talk about too what you do and we'll just go through um, our view and then at the very end we'll talk about how um, making some of those proper decisions regarding sleep hydration diet um, and exercise um, will make things better down the line hopefully and so if people can then be motivated to implement those in their lives um, then we should be healthy for a long time so for me um, sleep I try to get seven to eight hours but it usually looks more like seven hours um, and I run pretty well off of that and so as long as I have followed my nightly routine in which I kind of can de-stress and make sure that I've solved all of the problems from the day, the present day, and then um, preparing myself for, for some of the issues that might come up in the day after, then I can make sure that when I hit the bed um, that I'm actually going to sleep and not trying to fix all those things. And so that's probably one of my uh, biggest issues like I know that you, that's something that you always get annoyed with is when I go lay down and then I end up getting back up because I can't sleep and mm -hmm. that just means that I haven't followed my nightly routine and so that's something that I still have to work on but I definitely see a difference when I try to do that when I try to de-stress and take care of some of those things before before bed so I don't know what does your sleep schedule look like mm -hmm. and I'll touch on yours a little bit I do notice um that when you don't follow that routine, it does make a huge difference in, in your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep throughout the night or go back to sleep once you have woken up. Um, for me, sleep is a little bit, comes a little bit easier. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty tired and I hit the bed and about five minutes later, I'm out. Like for me, that's not typically something I struggle with, but when I do, it can be really frustrating to me. Um, so I don't really have a specific routine. I do like when I get home from work, I do like to de-stress a little bit. Um, something I like to do in the evenings is crossword puzzles. And for me, that um, just kind of gives me something to like put my mind to and take my mind off of anything else I've done throughout the day. Um, but also gives my brain a little exercise. Um, so that's something I like to do. Um, and I typically get between seven and eight hours a night. And I can definitely tell when I don't. Like the next day, um, I can feel it. And something that um, I've recently gotten into is uh, I got a Fitbit and that actually tracks my sleep at night. So it tells like how long I've been in each sleep stage. So there's like the awake, awake sleep stage where you're restless or moving throughout the night. There's the light sleep, um, which is supposed to promote um, memory. Uh, REM sleep, which is like your active dreaming sleep which promotes uh, learning. And uh, deep sleep, which is um, a smaller portion, but still very important, and that's supposed to um, help with your overall uh, memory. So um, the Fitbit kind of breaks down your sleep into each of those stages, and I've found it kind of interesting to look at that in the morning every, every, after every sleep and see how much time I spent in each section and um, how it compares to uh, the benchmark for my age. Um, so that's something I kind of follow to uh, keep myself healthy and engaged in um, my, the importance of my sleep patterns. Yeah, I know that's like another area where we differ a little bit um, too is that 
I always see you looking at your Fitbit like right away in the morning and seeing how you slept and it just like makes me anxious. And so <laughs> I don't know if that's something that I need to maybe try or if it would actually make it worse. Cause right now I feel like it would be worse. Um, but maybe it's something that, that I should utilize if I uh, do have like a streak of consecutive nights where, where I'm not falling asleep like I should be. Um, sure. And, and for everybody it's different. Like, like you said, for you, it might stress you out for me. It makes me feel better. Like, Oh, I actually, did good, good night, night's sleep, you know, regardless of whether I felt like it or not. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. I think that would be dependent on the personality, which were definitely a little bit different there. Sure. Um, so then next I would touch on, um, I have water, but just hydration in general. And so, um, like what it looks like in my life. And that's something that I've really taken, um, into account much more like the last couple years is that like when I was younger, I would really only drink when I was like super thirsty. Um, and then I remember just like being in school, say like middle school or high school. And if you didn't take your water bottle to class, then maybe you were like going to the drinking fountain between classes and getting like an ounce or two out of the fountain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just thought that, that that was normal. And then, um, as I got a little bit older and like hit the workforce, um, I was just noticing that like the, the better hydrated I was from water, um, the less headaches I had, the, um, more energy, um, was present and things like that. And so for me, that's been something that's been a major difference is, um, just spreading, spreading water out throughout the day. Um, and then always making sure too, like if for some reason I get a headache in the middle of the day, realizing that probably my first option shouldn't be like an ibuprofen, but it should be maybe just a chug, like 12 ounces of water. Um, and I found that that really helps and it, and it can even help with like small aches and pains and things like that. If I notice that I'm feeling a little bit creaky, um, then I just try to remember that it was probably my hydration and that I need to get that up. Mm -hmm. um, and so as far as my hydration routine, something that I've implemented like even more recently, the last month um, is water right away in the morning. And so I'll put a little bit of like Himalayan pink salt and lemon into like a 12 to 16 ounce glass of water. And then make sure to drink that while I'm up and moving around in the morning before I even have my coffee. And um, I won't get too much into the science of that, um, on this episode or anything, but that is something that I've noticed makes a huge difference. And a lot of times after I have that water right away in the morning, it almost feels like I've already had like two cups of coffee. And so that's been a big, uh, difference for me. And then throughout the day, I just kind of drink when I'm thirsty. I used to try to force, um, a lot of water, um, into my system. And then that was always an uncomfortable feeling, like always having to go to the bathroom and stuff. So now I just drink, um, when I'm feeling thirsty or when I know that I'm about to do a major physical activity. So before I hit the workout, um, for the day, then I'll make sure to drink, um, water just so that I'm prepared for that. And then also drinking during the workout and after, um, but mostly just, just when I'm thirsty. And so I felt a lot better since implementing and being conscious of my hydration the last couple of years. Do you do anything different or how do you handle that? I thought it was a uh, interesting, uh, what you talked about, like in school, how you would, go to the drinking fountain maybe once every couple hours and take a sip and that's really all you got and uh I would say the same like in a typical school day for me that was the case um but we were both also athletes so we were probably drinking a lot more water than uh the typical kid in school because we were hydrating throughout our practices each day um and so then when I moved to college I didn't have that regular sport that I was in so I wasn't drinking like that amount of water that I was used to. Um, and I noticed going to classes, these kids all had water bottles with them. Every single person had a water bottle. 
they would take to class. I'm like, huh, maybe I should be drinking water. So that's kind of when I started my routine, like just bringing a water bottle with me to class and I drink it throughout the day. Then you always have something um, to sip on and it's not a, a pop or a energy drink, you know, and it's, it's good for you. Um, I remember in, in PT school, we did uh, my one class, we did a um, water challenge, a hydration challenge. So we had to track our amount of water we drank per day for an entire week, which seems like pretty short and pretty easy, but it was actually difficult. And especially when you're trying to get like the recommended amount each day, it was pretty tough. Um, and what's typically recommended is like, they either say 64 ounces of water, which is eight, eight, eight ounce glasses a day, or the other way I've heard it is, um, half of your body weight in water. So say if you're 150 pounds, you drink 75 ounces a day. Um, so I think that's a little more probably accurate because it's more tailored to your specific body composition. Um, anyway, in terms of my water intake, I, I still continue that tradition that I did in college. Um, and I think that one uh, assignment really sparked it for me. Um, is just having a water bottle with me all day, every day, wherever I am at work. So there's always something for me to drink and I kind of do the same thing to drink when I'm thirsty. Um, and I drink probably, I don't know, 50 to 60 ounces a day. And that seems to uh, keep my hydra- me hydrated and focused and my body working well. Yeah. And notice too, we didn't mention like pop or even juices really for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. As those just for me are things that um, really don't satiate me. They don't make me feel um, any better. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. like especially pop, will make me feel a lot worse. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll have like orange juice or something every once in a while. Um, but really, it's just sticking to that water. And if you are getting enough water, I don't really feel like unless you have a caffeine or, or a sugar addiction that you're really going to be reaching for that pop anyway. And so mm-hmm. I think that, that that's something that is really important. Next, I wanted to touch on diet. Um, and just kind of the importance of that, which American society as a whole, I think, is um, trying to fight back against some of those um, poor diet habits from years and years as we've moved towards a lot of uh, like breads and sugars and things like that. Um, and now we're kind of wising up and, and getting away from that, I think, hopefully. Um, and so that's something that I've been doing. But the main thing that I would stress for me is just listening to my body. And that was, again, something that I just started to implement like the last couple years. I was a person that I would eat when I would wake up in the morning. And I was never a person that was hungry for breakfast. Like growing up, I never was hungry until like 11 um, in the morning. But I had thought like, when I get up in the morning, I have to have that breakfast. So I would force myself to eat even when I wasn't hungry. And then when noon would roll around, I would be having lunch, which would be typically like a pasta or, or something really um, heavy. Then I'd be super tired after a couple hours after that's been um, digested. And then I would eat again at dinner and then, um, of course, having like ice cream at night. And so what I've been trying to do last couple of years is just listening to my body. And so what that's resulted in is... When I wake up in the morning, if I'm not hungry, then I'm not eating. And so I know that um, some people are going to think that that's very strange. And so I can have separate discussions with them if they want to ask me about it. It's kind of like an intermittent um, fasting. 
And again, I don't want to get into the science too much of that, but basically I'm just having my eating window into those eight hours. So I will not eat until lunch. Um, and then I will have my regular dinner um, at about the, the normal time, which would be like six or seven. And that has really, really worked for me. It's helped me keep like my weight in check to where I want it to be. Um, I don't feel uncomfortable having to force myself to eat breakfast or anything like that, which I still will. Like if I'm uh, with friends or something and we all get up and go to breakfast, then, you know, I'll do that. Um, that's totally fine. But I would say like 95% of, of my days, I'm not eating before like 11 or 12. Um, and it's really, really worked for me. I feel like I can digest things a lot easier um, to just having those two meals. But as far as what I'm actually eating, um, I am like a, a red meat person and hopefully that doesn't upset anybody, but it's just what makes me feel really good and give me high uh, levels of energy. And so being someone that works out most days of the week, usually lifting um, weights or playing basketball, um, which I'm expending a lot of energy, I just don't feel like I get um, a lot of the same effects from other food other than my meat and my vegetables that I'm eating throughout the day. And so that's what's made me feel good. And I'm not someone who is like, I need to have a variety and eat something different um, every, every single day. If it tastes good six days in a row, then I'm going to continue to do that. And so that's pretty much what I do is um, protein and vegetables and just lunch and dinner. Um, and so that's what's worked for me. I don't know your diet. Are you sticking to anything specific or, or what do you do? I currently do not have a specific diet that I'm, I'm working on. Um, and I've talked with you earlier this week how I want to try to get on a, a little bit more strict, better diet um, of eating things that are just good for my body. Um, typically, I, I'm somebody that does need breakfast. I eat breakfast every morning. That's just been my habit throughout my life, and I feel like I need that little boost of energy in the morning to get me going. So typically I'll eat... Um, <coughs> either some toast with peanut butter on it or um, oatmeal in the morning, and that gets me to lunch, no problem. Like, I don't have those hunger pangs. Um, I do remember, like, growing up, though, I would eat some of the the more sweet, heavy-carb-type things, especially in high school when I was an athlete, because I felt like it didn't really bother me. <laughs> you know, I wasn't putting on weight. I was expending so much energy that I just burned it off immediately anyway. Um, I would eat, like, those egg waffles with syrup, and or I would eat uh, bagels with cream cheese. Like, that's not really the fuel that your body needs to uh, to last through till to um, lunch though. So I'm feeling like now I want to start um, focusing a little more on on what I'm putting into my body and how my body's going to use it for energy. Um, so something I'm I'm planning to cut out or reduce is um, foods with added sugar. So you'll notice. If you go to this grocery store and you look at the labels, look at the sugar section and see how many grams of sugar is in every packaged item that you buy um, and compare that to fresh items like meats and vegetables and fruits. Like those, None of those have added sugars. All that sugar that might be in there is natural. Um, it's naturally occurring sugar. It's not processed added sugar. So I'm going to try to... Um, back off of that a little bit and see how my body reacts to it. Um, I do think in general, our U.S. population probably does have a bit of an addiction to sugar because um, sugar is added into 
pretty much everything we eat, especially if you eat some of those convenient items that come in packages already. So um, that's something I'm trying to work on in the, the next few weeks. Yeah, that was, I was picturing myself like sharing my eating habits and how I only do the two meals a day. And that's something that's becoming more and more common, at least in the circles um, that I keep. But I, I, I know like there's that old saying like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And so I was wondering about some of the reactions I would get with this. Um, and, I, and I'm just gonna say, I'm not trying to push everybody to do that by any means. Um, but I don't want someone coming up to me and telling me I need to eat breakfast when maybe they had a blueberry muffin or a <laughs> honey bun or a donut. Um, and so that's typically what those breakfast foods look like that are being provided to us. And so it's really much easier for me to just avoid it um, and jump right to lunch. And so that, that's what's worked for, for me. And then obviously you have some of the stuff that you're planning to work on um, as well. So next I want to um, touch on exercise. So there's obviously a couple different things that we do for exercise. Um, being in northern Michigan, we do a lot of hiking. And so that's something that um, expends a lot of energy, but it's also a lot of fun. Um, and it, it's not so much a grueling task, um, unless you're climbing some really steep hills and things like that. But it's something that if you're going to go for an hour long hike, you've really, you have done a lot of work. Um, and so that's one of the things that we do. Maybe that's more on the cardio side. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we kind of use that too as an excuse to get outside because, um, we moved up here for a reason. We live in Northern Michigan because we like the outdoors and we like, uh, the nature up here. So this is a good way to hit two birds with one stone is to get outside and, um, enjoy that beautiful weather and, uh, scenery, but also get a workout at the same time and take our dog because he needs exercise for sure too. Yeah, he's probably like one of the main reasons why we get out as often as we do. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that we do. And then as mentioned before, like I'm playing basketball at least once a week, sometimes maybe twice. Um, and so that is just something that like I'm dead tired after I do that because really it's like an hour or maybe more of pretty intensive sprinting and things like that. So that's what I'll do um, for that cardio aspect, but then also just something that I love to do and I pretty sure I'm going to do it for the rest of my life or as long as I'm physically able is lifting weights. And so that's something that, um, our high school offered and I always enjoyed it in high school, but I really started to enjoy it. And I'd say even get passionate about it. Um, once I was coming like out of college or near the end of college. And so I would go, um, lift weights and that's something that I still really like to do, um, is lifting, lifting weights. I have a, a workout partner up here. Um, and we go try to go five days a week. Um, one of those days we'll play basketball or if we're going to all get together and hike, then we can swap that out. Um, but to me, it's something that I don't like to compromise on. Um, I like being able to increase my strength and feeling like I'm a more capable person just as I'm walking around. Um, I can think, I, I just feel way more functional. Um, if I've been in the gym, lifting those weights and building up my body, um, so that's something that I'm definitely going to continue to do, and I don't see why not. Um, as I go home and visit, like, my parents, one of the things we always do is, like, my whole family, is, in terms of my brothers and my dad, will go to the high school gym and we'll lift weights, and it's just awesome. And so that's something that I've really enjoyed. And then um, I kind of think, too, that's something that I'm expecting to pay dividends further down the line. So as I get older, is that something... Um, that will build that bone density 
um, or make me a more capable person the older that I get. And I believe that it will. And so again, not touching on too much of the science because that's not my area of expertise, but just letting you guys know what I do and how I expect it to um, help me in the future. So what about you as far as exercise? Mm -hmm. So like you, uh, I was an athlete in high school. So that's kind of where I got my start of uh, being active and exercising. Um, that was more at a competitive level for sport, but it also kept me in shape and um, feeling good. Uh, once I went to college, uh, I did more of like the intramurals for, to get that little competitive um, side, but also... Um, Sorry for that short pause. We had some neighbor dogs barking and it was just <laughs> too tempting for our own dog not to share his opinion on that. Um, and so Abby, you were talking about intramurals in college, so go ahead and continue. Sure, so I played some intramural sports um, just for some competition um, to feed that fix that I needed, but also I um, joined the pom-pom squad and I did that for a semester, which was fun, um, but it wasn't quite the same as it was in high school. I was kind of ready for something new. So myself and a couple of my friends um, got into the group fitness scene at the, um, the school gym. So we would go to um, group fitness classes, which kind of gave me a taste of all these different types of um, dance and exercise that I hadn't experienced before. So things like step aerobics or yoga or um, turbo kick, kickboxing, um, different things like that. So that kind of gave me a sampling of of all different types of exercise. And then, um, then I eventually got more into the weightlifting. Um, as Taylor said, we used to be weightlifting partners when we, um, first started, um, kind of dating and, uh, getting to know one another. We were, um, into the weightlifting. Um, now my, my routine has changed a little bit. Um, I'm, I like to mix it up every few months. Like I work on on one type of, of exercise for a while and then I like to get into something else because I, you know, I get bored of it. So, um, lately I've been more into, um, like the hiking, like Taylor said, um, more of the cardio equipment and, uh, yoga. I just did a, a one month yoga membership here where we live. Um, which is, is another aspect of wellness. Um, not only did I like to do it for the exercise, um, to keep myself, uh, flexible and strong and my balance, um, on point, but also, um, to work on my mental health in general. Um, I also would say mental health could be another section that we could, could talk about, um, as a part of overall, overall wellness. Yeah. As you said, maybe another section on mental health, I'll just throw it in. I'm the host, so we can mm -hmm. do that. Um, so for me, mental health is pretty important and, and I've noticed like mine is connected in a large part to my routine. I'm a very routine person, especially like in the mornings. Those are pretty sacred to me. Um, and so I do the same thing. I'll get up, I'll have my water. Um, I'll try to move around a little bit, whether that's taking the dog out um, and throwing the ball for him and stuff, maybe stretch. Um, that's something that I don't do enough of, but I know that I need to. And so I've been trying to do some more of that. But then making sure that um, I'm getting in some reading and things like that while I have my cup of coffee. And so I have like a couple of books that I'll read. I'll read my Bible um, and then whatever two, three books um, I'm into at that point as well. And that's just like something that I really enjoy. I, I can get a lot of different opinions and ideas from those books, um, making sure that I'm learning. And that seems to be when I can focus the best on those tasks like reading. 
And then after that, I'll respond to emails and, and some stuff like that. And so that's big for my mental health. And it's something that I actually get really excited about. Like it gets me out of bed. That's one of my motivating factors is like, hey, you can get up and you can go sit on the couch for your hour while you get to read. And I've always been a big reader. And so for me, that's definitely um, something that keeps me sane. And so is there, I know you'd mentioned crossword puzzles before. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else that you do for your mental health? Right. Like, um, kind of like you with reading crossword puzzles, kind of clear my head. That's something that's like a tool that I use, um, for my mental health. I would like to get a little bit more into reading, but I do have a problem of starting a book and never finishing it. So that's something I'd like to work on in the future. But, um, like I said, also with yoga, um, there's typically a component of meditation, um, which at first I was kind of thinking, I'll never be able to do that. Like it's about clearing your mind completely. Like that's impossible. And that's probably like myself. A lot of other people think that same thing. Like I can't completely empty my mind. Um, but really the, the idea behind it is you don't try to empty your mind. It's more when a thought comes to your mind, you acknowledge it and then you let it pass. It's, you can't completely rid your mind of all thoughts, but being able to acknowledge when distracting thoughts are coming to your mind or you find yourself ruminating or getting anxious, um, like when you're driving or something like that. Um, I found when I can actually focus on the task that I'm doing and only focus on that, um, it kind of helps me um, clear my head from those distracting thoughts and um, reduce my levels of stress because it's no good to be worrying about all of these things that are coming to your head if it's not something that you're able to fix or work on at that immediate moment. So that's something that I've kind of found that's helpful. Um, Even just five minutes a day of meditation where you just close your eyes, um, put yourself in a room with no other distractions, and just sit there and try to let your thoughts pass, um, I think it really helps. Like You don't have to do it for hours at a time. (laughs) Just a couple minutes a day, that really helps. Um, so that's kind of what I do. Okay. Yeah, cool. So you guys, that's what, um, we do for, for our, uh, daily routines. I would say the perfect day. Um, that's what it would look like. We're certainly, um, get distracted or fall away from those good habits, just like anybody else does. Um, but if, if we were to have the perfect day, it would entail all those things that we mentioned. And so that's just what I wanted to show you guys, what us 26, 27 year olds, um, are doing. I'll be 28 tomorrow, actually. Um, and so next, I wanted to touch on um, maybe some of the issues in the older population. And so, could some of the the health and wellness issues that are in the older population, due to some poor decisions earlier in life, could mm-hmm. um, we, as we get older, benefit from positive changes? So. I wanted you to touch on maybe some of the issues that you see at work and what you do to remedy those. And if you mm-hmm. could have people go back in time, what would mm-hmm. you what would you tell them that they need to do so that they didn't have to come see you as often? Sure. Um, well, number one thing, which is is kind of fading out now because we know so much about the problem with cigarette smoking, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a lot of the people that I work with um, come to me with COPD. Um, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, basically lung disease, um, where they're unable to breathe as efficiently or as well as they should. Um, So we know that now, but back when these people that I'm seeing now who are in their 
60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, when they were younger, they didn't know that smoking was was terrible for you or was going to um, cause all these effects later in life. So, so many times they say to me, man, if I only would have known back then, I wouldn't, I would never would have started, but everybody did it. So it seemed like the thing to do. Um, and honestly, I think we'll see some things that we're doing now um, in our lifetimes come up later, later on when we, as we get older, as things that similar to cigarette smoking, um, that we maybe shouldn't have been doing. Um, but also just sedentary lifestyles, huge. Um, I actually had a, a patient last week. Um, he had just finished up with us, but I had been seeing him for a couple weeks. And when I first, um, evaluated him, he was, he's in his sixties. So not, not that old in his sixties. And he was living alone. And when I asked him about, um, whether he was walking, using a wheelchair, etc., he said he used a power, power scooter at home to get around 100% of the time. That's all he used. And I said, Oh, why aren't you walking? You know, he's in a, an age group where he should be able to walk still. He didn't have any specific injuries that would prevent him from walking. And his response was, well, my breathing just got more difficult, more difficult. So I got a power scooter and, and that's what I used from then on. And I said, okay, well, well, I'm going to put walking into your program just to see, you know, if we can make any gains there, because at your age, you shouldn't really be using the power scooter just to get around your house, like to walk from one spot to another, you should be able to do that. So by the end of his, um, therapy session, he was walking a full length of a hallway and he was so thankful. He said, you know, I, I just thought that my body couldn't do it anymore. I, I kind of gave up on myself and, um, I'm so happy that you're able to, to show me that, um, just with movement and exercise, I would be able to do this again. And, and I'm going to put my power scooter in the garage and I'm going to be walking everywhere. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, just mobility in general, getting some exercise every single day, moving your body in some way, um, can really be beneficial later in life. Um, the dividends will pay off greatly. Um, and just to show you an opposite example, um, I was treating a patient who had had a fall, but he was in his mid nineties, 95, I think. And he was telling me about, about his life and that he was a runner. And, um, he said he did his, his last marathon when he was 89. So he made it, you know, as far as he could running and he was still in great shape up until, until this fall in his, his mid nineties. But before that he had had no problems. So it's, it's funny, um, the people I see are typically like, for short-term rehab anyway, um, are typically like between 60 and 70 because they had, had kind of treated their, their bodies poorly through most of their life. And this is their first time that they're, they're entering into the, the health system and um, starting to um, show some of those effects of, of the poor lifestyle. Or they're 90 plus, and this is their first time coming into therapy because they led a great lifestyle up until then, and they're just plain getting old at that point. So um, that's kind of what I've seen in terms of uh, uh, mobility, helping you, you know, gain, get to the end of your life and uh, have a, a good quality of life. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd kind of touched on the mobility, which is a physical aspect of that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about the brain, and so... 
with my, my current job, I see a lot of um, caregivers of people with um, dementia. And so brain health is something that is super important. And so what I always try to stress to people, um, if they come in and have concerns about their loved one and that their symptoms are maybe worsening or they have concerns themselves, like am I going to get dementia later in life? What can I do about it? Um, sadly, there's not enough science out about that right now, but what we're pretty certain of is that if you treat your body well and treat your heart well, then your brain is going to be healthier. And so what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And so in my line of work, um, like you said, having a sedentary lifestyle or even um, taking in a lot of sugar, there's connections mm -hmm. between diabetes um, and Alzheimer's or dementia. And so if I could go back in time and tell people some of the changes that they should be making outside of smoking, because you're right, that older generation, a lot of them um, were smokers or are still smokers, it would be to cut out all those unnecessary sugars um, that would maybe lead to diabetes later in life and have negative effects beyond just diabetes, um, but then also just to be active. And um, I think as the um, kind of industrial lifestyle and the physical labor jobs are maybe lessening uh, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, then you see more sedentary people sitting at their desks. And I think our generation does or is going to do a ton of that because there's a lot of work to be done in front of a computer. Mm -hmm. And um, that would be one of the ways that I think is going to negatively affect people in the future, but also brain health. And I think that there is connections um, between that. And so I just wanted to touch on that portion of it too, that mm -hmm. if you can keep your heart healthy, you can keep blood pumping through your body, um, then you're going to give yourself the best chance to have a healthy brain um, later in life. And so that's all I know about that. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on as far as the older population? I think we pretty much covered it. Okay. Um, actually, something we mentioned, we were talking earlier today about um, jobs changing and having more technology to do some of the jobs that people had to physically do before. And so we're not getting the exercise at our jobs that maybe they were people were back in the day. Um, so now we have to schedule exercise into our daily routines instead of getting it during our daily um, activities at work. So of course that makes it harder to get out and get your exercise, but um, you just have to think about your priorities. What's, what's more important? It's not necessarily that, that you don't have time. I believe that. Uh, I make that excuse myself, but I think um, it's just you're not making exercise a priority if it's not something that's part of your life right now. So. Right, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like With people not expending as much energy at work in the physical sense, um, and maybe having higher stress jobs um, now too, then you don't feel like a lot of times to go home and exercise. Um, and so it is all about priorities. And are you going to make that a priority today so that you can benefit um, now and later, but, mm -hmm. but definitely later? Um, I think that that is really, really important. And so that was a good point. Um, so guys, this was our view um, on health and wellness. Obviously, one of us has a little more expertise than the other. So I hope that this conversation was helpful um, as we got to share some of our routines and what's worked um, for us. And so I know where I'm currently at, I'll be 28 uh, tomorrow, that this is the healthiest I've ever felt 
Um, as far as I have these things in line for the most part um, with my sleep, my hydration, my diet, and then making sure that I exercise, I feel really, really healthy. And so I look forward to um, being able to benefit from this current health in the future. So I think it's appropriate for this episode to again have a call to action like I had in the last one. And Abby, I'm going to give you the honor of doing that. So go ahead. Okay, so my call to action for everybody is to maybe write down your daily routine and look at some of these things that we talked about, like your sleep, your water intake, your diet, your exercise, um, what you're doing for your mental health, and um, see if there's anything you can tweak or add in um, any of the suggestions of of things that we're doing currently that we enjoy or seem to help us. Um, And I want you to, to try something new and We're going to put a little post on the Cold Shower Facebook page um, about this podcast being up, and I want you to um, write a comment after you try something for a week or or whatever, and um, let us know how it made you feel or if you notice any changes in your life from making any changes in your routine. All right, and I am yet, I believe, to solicit you guys for a rating and a review or maybe they're the same thing on iTunes. Um, So if you wouldn't mind doing that um, as you listen to this podcast, go give me uh, whatever appropriate review you feel I've earned. Um, I would really appreciate that. And then again, if you have the opportunity at all, I mean at all, to give any amount of money to the Bird Legs um, campaign, that can be found at gofundme.com slash birdlegs. Any amount will be appreciated. I really want to help these guys out. Um, as helping others is really um, what this whole mission of mine is. And so that's a good way to do that, if you guys could at all be involved in that. And lastly, I want to thank my guest and my wife, Abby. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. It's actually been pretty fun. Good. Bye-bye.